Today we're going to be talking about how to receive God's best. And, and notice that you're talking about receiving God's best. It doesn't say how to beg God for His best. But that's what we spend most of our time doing. Right? We spend most of our time begging for God's best. Most of our prayer time is not spent in fellowship with our loving Heavenly Father, but it's in asking, begging, pleading for God to do His best in us. Right? I know, no one wants to admit to it. Right? But it's true. And why, why are we this way? It's because we, we've been steeped in religion. Religion is works-based theology. And what is theology? Theology is a, a view or an understanding of God. Right? All of you are theologians. You know, you're not theologians that many would follow. But, 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 you, but you're a theologian. You, you, you have a view of God. Right? Now, th does that necessarily, just because you have a view of God, does that necessarily mean that it's a correct view of God? It doesn't. And truthfully, the only correct view of God is Jesus Christ. But that's a different message. and We're not going to go down that rabbit trail. But religion, a, a theology of religion, religion teaches us to be dependent on our effort. On what you do. At the very core... The concept is this. You, through your own effort, need to get God to react to your need. That's all the religions of the world. Man-made religion is, a, is you doing something to get God to react. It doesn't matter if you're a Muslim. It doesn't matter if you're Hindu. It doesn't matter if you're Hare Krishna. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian. That's based in man's religion. The concept in your mind is a God that is far off and you somehow need to get Him to move on your behalf way down here. Am I right? It gives this idea, it gives this idea of waiting on God. That we don't know how He will respond. We don't know when He will respond. And we don't know if He'll respond at all. This mindset cannot be further from the mind of Christ. And this understanding of God is not the Gospel. And as my hope in, in this message is that you know we're coming to the end of this year and my hope is for us to make a deliberate effort to shift our thinking to trust me for one year. Can you trust your pastor for one year? Trust me to shift your thinking to what we're about to hear today. For one year. And see if things change. You've been doing Christianity, you've been doing religion, you've been begging and pleading to God all up until now. Let's shift, trust me and sh let's shift our thinking. Let's renew our minds 
one year and see what, see what happens, all right? Okay. We do not get God to respond to us. We do not get God to respond to us. We respond to God. We respond to God. Do you know if God did not initiate contact with us, we would have no way of contacting Him. God is the one that initiates. God is the one that chases after. God is the one that comes after His prodigal sons and daughters. We respond to God. We are not waiting on God. God is waiting on us. Think about that. In the situations in your life right now that you are saying, God, when? When are you going to do something? What happens if God's not, you're not, you're not waiting on God, but God's actually waiting on you? There is something that you need to step out in into what He has already provided. Our faith does not begin with us, nor do we complete it with our strength. Our faith is not, we don't initiate our faith. And we're not even the completers of our faith. It's not like we get saved and then we have to now, in our own effort, and our own ability, walk out our salvation. No, our whole life is to be that of the Spirit, dependent on Holy Spirit, dependent on the new creation realities that are in us, in our spirit. Through the renewing of our minds, through the Word of God, that's living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. You know, Jesus, Jesus is God. And He is both the author, and He is the perfecter. He is the Alpha, He is the Omega, He is the beginning, He is the end. And in Him are all the promises of God. In Him they find their yes and we just add our so be it, our amen. If, the pro, if someone has already said yes, why would you ever ask them? Men? If you, if you got this new tool that you want to buy, maybe it's a new truck, maybe, maybe, maybe it's a new, new something for hunting or fishing or something like that, and your wife has says, yes, you can buy it. Would you sit around asking over and over again, well, are you sure you're, I can buy it? Will you let, no. As soon as you heard that yes, you'd be gone. You'd be gone. God has already put His yes on all His promises. And we need to take off with them. Pastor Tom, he perfectly prepared the way for this message. And uh, so it's just confirmation that God has something to say here this morning. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God of our Father, of our Lord Jesus, Lord, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ, with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. I want you to notice the phrasing of this scripture. 
who has, who has. Does this scripture indicate this is something that God is going to do in the future? No, the word has means past tense. This scripture is past tense. God has already blessed you. Do you believe that? God has already blessed you. See, we got to get past. We got to get past this. Yeah, I agree with this on Sunday morning, but this is the way that we wake up on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, Saturday. We wake up knowing that God has blessed us. God has blessed you. You are blessed. Say, I am blessed. God has already blessed me. Amen. You are blessed. This has to become a revelation in the body of Christ, in the minds of God, God's people. That you are blessed. And if God has blessed you, why would you curse yourself? Why would you say things contrary to what God has said about you? Why would you curse your finances? Why would you curse your health? Why would you curse your family? Why would you curse... You are blessed. You are blessed. And how do we curse ourselves? With the words of our mouth. You are a blessed people. Your family is blessed. But Chad, you don't know what it looks like. You ever hear about walking by faith and not by sight? It doesn't matter what it looks like. Say what God says about your family. Say what God says about your health. Say what God says about your finances. Say what God says about your life. You are blessed. By grace, Jesus single-handedly provided everything that you will ever need. Everything that you ever will need for this life, Jesus Christ has already provided it for you. This is a life-changing revelation. This is truth of the kingdom of God. This is something that we need to renew our minds to. That in Christ Jesus, God has already done it. And if He's already done it, why would we ever have to ask Him to do it? We'll get there. When God recreated your spirit, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. God doesn't do anything without knowing the end from the beginning. God, God when He created everything, he, he already knew the outcome. God, when He created the earth, He didn't, he didn't create and plant trees and then all of a sudden say, now what am I going to do? These trees are going to die. And then I have to plant new trees. And I'm constantly planting trees. No, what did he do? He planted trees with seed in them already. Animals he planted to recreate and reproduce. You, know, you notice that he didn't create 
man first. And then say, well, this isn't going to work. I better create some dry land. Because if he created man first, he'd be, he'd be paddling doggy style in the, in the waters. No, he created everything for man and then put man in the garden. He prepared everything that we would ever need on this planet. This planet is, oh, is it, it reproduces. Your cells are, are created. It's constantly reproducing in you. God planned everything in advance. God didn't leave anything out. Then there's the recreation of your born-again spirit. You know, in 1 Corinthians, Corinthians it talks about, well, He made Him who knew no sin so that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Anyone that is in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. There's a new creation. You have been recreated. You are not who you used to be. Even though your mind sometimes might tell you that, you're, that you haven't changed, and that's just because it's unrenewed, it, it's still in those ruts, in those strongholds of a life lived without Christ. Or a life that's lived in religion. Your mind needs to be renewed to who you are in Christ Jesus. And in Christ Jesus, you have a recreated spirit. You are a spirit. This is what you have to understand so much, is that you are a spirit that has a soul, mind, will, and emotions, and you live in a body. And we have to get our spirit and our soul to be in agreement. We can't be double-minded in our thinking. Our, our soul needs to align with our spirit. How do we do that? We do that with the Word of God. We do that through prayer and praying in the Holy Spirit. We, we align ourselves with who we are in Christ Jesus in our born-again spirit, and then the blessing flows. When your spirit was recreated, God did not leave anything out that you need. Everything you need to life and godliness has, has already been put in your born-again spirit. Just like when He created the earth, He didn't leave anything out that would be needed. When He recreated your spirit, your spirit has been made perfect. The Bible says you are perfect. You, you lack nothing. In your spirit, you are perfect. You lack nothing. There's nothing broken, nothing missing. You are complete in Christ Jesus. You have it all. So if you need healing, you don't need God to heal you. See, think about this. Most of the time when we pray for healing, we're asking God to heal us. If your wife said to go buy that new truck, if you have the yes and no amen already, 
if, if, if it's, it's been provided for you already, you go and get it. You go and take it. See, God knew, the Lord knew that in this fallen world, you would need healing. He knew that in this fallen world, you, you would need joy. In this fallen world, you'd need peace. In this fallen world, you'd need self-control. In this fallen world, you'd need love and gentleness and kindness. The supernatural ability to live like Christ. And He put that all in your recreated spirit. In your spirit, you are a new creation. All those old things passed away. All things have become new. God has already provided it. And right now you're thinking, well, Chad, why, why would we even pray? If God's provided it, and I don't have to ask God for anything, why would we even pray? Really? Because you fellowship with God. Because you have an ability to communicate with your Heavenly Father. And He can show you all things. He can show you things to come. He can teach you how to acquire what He has already given you. He, he can train you to use the keys to the kingdom that He's already put in your hand. He leads us and guides us in the truth. He's God Almighty and we get to spend time with Him. We do not need well, we need, excuse me, we do not need to ask God to send. We need to learn to, how to receive the healing that has already been provided. And why is this so important? Is there really any difference between asking God to do something and receiving something that God has provided? You know, am I just being picky here? It, it, it doesn't really make a difference. Does it make a difference if I'm asking God to heal me or if I believe that God has healed me in Christ Jesus and now I'm focused on receiving my healing, appropriating my healing, directing my faith and my words and speaking to my body, cursing the devil, cursing sickness, cursing, cursing this fallen world and speaking the truth of who I am in Christ Jesus over myself. Yeah, there's a big difference. There's a big difference. To believe that you need to go and get God to do something that hasn't yet been done will always give you the opportunity to doubt. And this is why religion loves this. Religion loves this because it gives us an escape. We can blame God. We can blame God for all our problems in our life. Right? It is. If you are trying to get something from God, there's always the idea that you could that he might not give it. That there's always the opportunity to doubt God. Maybe it's not God's will. Maybe, maybe he just wants me to imitate my other Savior, Job. Right? 
Because every time you talk about what Jesus says, people come up and say, well, what about Job? Who cares about Job? I'm talking about Jesus, the author and the perfecter of my faith. I'm talking about Jesus Christ, my Savior and my God. Who is Job compared to the words of Jesus? Who is Job compared to what Jesus Christ has done in me? Amen? If you're trying to get God to do something, there's always doubt. Because what happens if He doesn't do it? What happens if He doesn't want to do it? What happens if in some twisted, perverted, religious mind of God, He's doing it for my good? He's causing me pain for my good. Well, then you're worshiping the devil. God does not... God is not humanity's problem. God is not the author of death. God is not the one that brings heartache and brokenness in this world. That's my Father. But on the other hand, if God has provided it, how can you doubt if He will provide it? If, God, if, if the Gospel is proclaiming that God has already provided everything that we need, how can we doubt if He will provide it? Because He has. It takes that whole scenario out of the picture. If God's already provided it, I don't have to doubt if He will. I don't have to doubt if it is His will. I don't have to doubt when it will happen, or if it will happen, because God has already provided it. He has already made it available for you. How can you doubt what God has already done? You can't. You can't doubt what someone's already done for you. If God has already provided it by His grace through Jesus, then we need to believe and receive it by faith. You can say, and I, you hear people say, I believe that God is going to heal me. That sounds good, doesn't it? I know this is a hard, hard teaching, but this is the Gospel. You can say that I believe that God is going to heal me. And that is actually a statement of unbelief. It's a statement of unbelief to say that God is going to heal me. It's unbelief to ask God for something that He has already given. If, if you bless somebody, think about this. If you bless somebody, if you gave a gift to somebody, a priceless gift, and they continued asking you to give it instead of enjoying what you have already given, how long would it take until you were offended? Why are you not believing that I gave you everything that you need? Why do you keep asking for something that I already gave? It's almost insanity to do so. And there's one or two things. Either the church hasn't heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, or we're just looking for a scapegoat. 
In 1 Peter 2.24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. According to the Scripture, God provided healing, and it's not in the future. He's not providing it in the future. He's providing it now. It's not a future time event. It's not a future transaction. It's in the past. You were healed. You were healed. You were healed. Jesus Christ bore your stripes on His body on the cross. God provided healing 2,000 years ago. It was then when you were healed. It was then when He provided healing for you. That's what this verse says. You were healed. You were saved. When were you saved? When did God save humanity? On the cross 2,000 years ago. Do you know that God is not saving anyone? This, any, anymore. God's not, since Jesus Christ died and resurrected on the cross... God is not saving anyone. When Jesus said it is finished, what was finished? Everything needed to redeem humanity. It is finished. Salvation is available to all. God has given salvation. Will you believe the good news? Will you believe the good news? It happened 2,000 years ago. And all the promises of God found their yes or amen 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago on the cross. It was then that He healed you. And that's what this verse is saying. By, your stri- by his, whose stripes you were healed. You don't need God to heal you. Th- this is such a radical, radical I- idea for many believers. Is that you don't need God to heal you. Why don't, why don't you need God to heal you? Say, can you answer that for me? Because He's already healed us. This is a whole shift. You need to learn how to receive what has already been provided. I need to learn to receive what's already been provided. Again, this is a big difference. It's huge. It's easier to re- release something you already have than to go get something that you don't have. Right? It's a lot easier to use and enjoy something that you already have than trying to go and get something that you don't have. Right? It's easier to to release healing in your body than it is to go find healing somewhere. This is a major mind shift and we need to ask Holy Spirit to renew our minds to this truth. God wants you to receive His best that He has already provided in Christ Jesus. Religion has taught us to try to convince God to give you His best. Christ has already done it. Amen? Continuing in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mentions of you in my prayers. So Paul is about to tell us how he prays. That, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. Paul did not pray, Oh God, please move in, these, in this church's life. In the church of Ephesians, please 
move upon those people. Send your power. You know, that's the typical prayer that we pray. Is God move. God, please move. Or Lord, pour out your spirit. Send your power. We sing about it. Right? It's interesting that Paul did not pray this. It's interesting that no, no New Testament writers, they've never asked God to send revival, nor for God to touch people, or to pour out His Spirit. They never asked God to move. Holy Spirit instructed Paul to pray, God, open up their eyes to what you've already done. Open our eyes to what you have already done. Can you see that? It says, it says that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom. So what's wisdom? It's understanding how to use knowledge, right? And revelation in the knowledge of Him. Who's Him? Christ. Paul prayed that the Ephesian church and that we as a church would open our eyes to the wisdom and the revelation of who we are in Him. What we have in Him. This is 180 degrees from, from religion, begging and pleading to God for something. Most Christians believe that God can do anything, but that He just hasn't done anything. Let me say that again. Most Christians believe that God can do anything, but that He just hasn't done anything. I'm here to tell you that He has done everything. It's, it's wrong for us to say that I believe God can do anything. We should be saying that I believe that God has done everything. It is complete in Christ. Christ is my rock. He is my salvation. He is my anchor of my soul. He has done everything in Christ, and in Him it is finished. If God moving is dependent upon us praying and asking and begging, if, if, if we will do everything just right, then God will move. This is nothing more than unbelief, and it's completely unbiblical. God predicted every problem that you or anyone in the entire human race could ever have. Through Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus dealt with every problem that could ever happen. Past, present, and future. If your past is something that's causing you to stumble, if your past is causing you to, to sit back and not enjoy life as, as God truly intended you to enjoy, if you're constantly in bondage to your past, I have good news for you. Jesus has taken care of your past. And I don't care what your situation is right now. You, there might be lack in your, in your bank account. There might be trouble in your marriage. Your kids might be wayward. There might be a doctor report that is constantly in your mind. Jesus has taken care of our present. In your future, we have no need to worry. We have no need to dread. We, ha we, we, have, no, we have no need to, to fear death because Jesus has overcome death and the grave. And our future is bright. 
And as the song goes, our future's so bright we've got to wear shades. Right? That's the truth of the gospel. That's the hope of our salvation. Jesus is not saving, he's not healing, and he's not delivering people. He's already done it. He's already done it. His power has already been released. It's now up, up, up to us to receive what he has done by putting faith in what he has already provided, not in what God can do, but what he has done. What he did do. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Paul is praying here that the Ephesians, that their eyes would be enlightened, that they would receive revelation, that they would see something, right? That you may know what is the hope of His calling. What are the riches of glory of His inheritance in the saints? You ever notice that? Not the hope of your calling. It's the hope of His calling. It's not about your calling. It's about His calling. Jesus has already been called. He has already been provided everything. He paid the price for everything at, at the cross. And He has the favor of God now. As I've heard it said before, and it's been well, it's well, it, it's, it's uh, said well, is all we're doing is riding on Jesus' coattails. You know, there, I heard a story of a missionary that was in South, South, South America, and God was moving in the people. People were getting born again. People, the joy of the Lord it was like almost like a book of Acts thing. The joy of the, the whole city was filled with joy. People were being delivered. They were being healed. They were being set free. And um, he was walking through the streets, and the people came out around him and it was almost like they would, would have with Jesus and they were wanting to touch him and stuff. And in his mind he was thinking, this is wrong. They shouldn't be doing this. And, Jesus, and the Lord just spoke to him and said, when I came in in the triumphal entry, when I came in riding on the donkey and people were saying, Hosea in the highest and throwing down the palm branches that donkey never once thought, well, they shouldn't be doing this for me. He, he said, you're just the donkey I'm riding in on. We, Jesus lives in us. It's not about our ability. It's not that we're a super duper. Yes, we are children of His love. We are children of God. But it's all of Christ and, and none of us. It's not through our effort. It's not through our ability. It's not through our perfect prayers. Jesus is our mediator. He is constantly praying the perfect prayer for humanity. As God's children, we have favor with God because of what Jesus did, not because of what we do. And this is good news. This is good news to know that you have favor with God. You have favor with Almighty it's about His calling, His anointing, His power, His blessing that lives on our lives through our spirit. As John says, as He is, so are we in this world. We have been given the Spirit of Christ. We've been made one spirit with Him. 
Paul wants our eyes to be open to see and understand what the hope of his calling and what are the riches of his glory and of his inheritance in the saints. Christ has an inheritance in you. And He wants you to awaken to His inheritance that's already in you because of His calling that He had for us. God's glory is not about... God's glory isn't somewhere out in heaven. It says that the riches of His glory is in you. I'm telling you, if we start seeing... Do we believe, if we believe this, that the riches of God's glory are in you, Is, this, it's just, is Paul just writing words to make it just sound good? Or is this truth? You already got the glory of God. We don't, we don't need to be looking for glory clouds. We don't need visitations. We have become a habitation for the Most High. God habit inhabits you in your spirit. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, To which He called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. The obtaining. You've obtained something. You have been called to the obtaining of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not something that's going to happen in heaven. Right now, you have the glory of God inside you. Can you see why Paul prayed that our eyes would be open to what we already have in Christ Jesus? Verse 19 of Ephesians 1. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe? You have to believe. According to the working of His mighty power. So when did all this happen? When did this all... Uh, it happened according to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in heavenly places. This is when all this happened. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in which is to come. And He put all things under His feet, and He gave Him to be the head over all things, the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. Paul wanted us to see the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe. The same power God used when He raised Jesus from the dead. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is stronger than the power of your stub toe. It's greater than any virus. It's greater than any cold. It's greater than any recession. It's greater than any, any uh, emotional issues. It's, it's greater than any marital issues. It's greater than any child issues. It's greater. He is greater. And what we just read makes it clear that you already have the same power inside you that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. 
We accept a substandard living because religion has taught us that, that all of the glory and blessing of God is reserved for heaven one day. And in this life, we just have to hang on and struggle through. We have to be sick, poor, up and down. We have to be on the mountain one, one day and in the valley the next. That is not what the Apostle Paul said. That's not what the Apostle Paul said that he wants the church to awaken to. I lost my... After being born again, the most important thing on your list should be finding out who you are and what you have in Christ. That's the most important thing. If I, if I was to come up and ask you, who are you? Now that you're born again, who are you in Christ? What would your answer be? I'm not going to ask you. Just think about it. If I, would, if I was to come up to you and say, now that you're born again, you're a new creation in Christ Jesus, what do you have? What's at your disposal? How would you answer that? I'm telling you, church, this is the most important thing after coming to a revelation of who Jesus Christ is, finding out now who you are in Him. This is why most Christians don't live as if they have the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. They don't live that way because they can't feel it. And they just don't believe that God has done anything. But this is why Paul prayed that we would open our eyes, that we would see what has already been done, that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is in you already. We aren't praying to get it. We have it. It has to be revealed knowledge through the Word of God. God wants us blessed. God wants His best for us. If, God, if you believe that God wants you blessed, that you are blessed, and He wants you to have a blessed life, and that, that he, he wants to give you His best. Now, some of you don't even believe He wants to give you His best. You need a scripture on that? We'll get there. Romans 8.32 You need to uh, jot this down. He who did not spare His Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how will He not with Him also freely give us all things? If God didn't want you to have his best, he would have never given you Jesus. Jesus is the best of God. And in Christ Jesus, we have received the best of God. You already have it in him. And through Christ, he freely, freely, not through begging, not through pleading, 
He freely gives us all things. That's good news. Good preaching, Chad. Good job. This is such good news. And this is why Paul prayed. He, he prayed that our eyes would be open. And that's what I'm preaching today. I, I, I'm asking for God to open our eyes. My eyes need... I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm not part of this. My eyes need to be open bigger and wider. I need to see the fullness of everything that is ours in Christ Jesus. Who I am in Christ and, and who Christ is in me. God wants His best for us. And in Christ, He has provided everything we could ever need. It's up to us now if we're going to walk in it. It's up to us if we're going to settle for less than God's best. If you believe that God wants His best for you, you're going to get up and you're going to do something. You're going to move. You're going to act like it. There's a response. James says that faith without works is dead. And that just simply means that if you really believe that God wants His best for your life and that you are blessed in Christ Jesus, there is going to be a reaction. There's going to be a corresponding reaction to your belief system. Believing that God has already done it is 99% of it. It's 99% of the battle. And that, see, that's and the problem is most Christians are stumbling thinking and trying to get God to do something that He's already done. That's a waste of time. So just by believing, simply believing, trusting me for one year, believing that God has already done it, that Jesus Christ has already accomplished it, you're 99% through the battle. Because it's already in you. You already got it. And then there are things that we must do to appropriate. What's that mean? That means, how do I use what God has already given me? What He has already provided. See, and this is where prayer comes in handy. This is where we pray. God, give me the mind of Christ. i got this situation in my life, and I know that You've blessed me. I know that You've healed me. I know that You've provided already in this situation. Give me revelation. Give me revelation, Lord, to receive and to walk in all that Christ has provided. To, that the glory of God may be revealed in me. And it could be simply just cursing something. It could just be a tweak. It, it, it's not a big thing. But the enemy comes to rob, kill, and destroy. And, that, and, and if, if we believe that God is the one that's robbing, killing, and destroying. If we believe that God is holding back, we're doomed. But the good news of the Gospel is God did not hold anything back. He gave Jesus. And if He gave Jesus, how will He not freely, with Him, give us all things? We need to stop doubting. We need to believe. What are you believing to receive? Not what are you believing God for. What are you believing to manifest in your life? To receive in your physical life that Christ has already provided? 
What do you want to see in your life? Stand up. Say with me. God, I know you've done it. Jesus, you accomplished it. I'm not waiting on you. You have already supplied. You are not my problem. You are the faithful one. You are a good God and my Heavenly Father. I thank you for being so good. I receive all that you have provided for me. Let's just praise them. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you that you provided. Hallelujah. We lack no good thing. Hallelujah. We receive your fullness. We receive all that is ours in Christ Jesus. We have an inheritance. Your inheritance in us. We are healed. We are set free. We are righteous. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We just praise you, Lord. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.com.